0: Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 339. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms, and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by SlowFlowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers, and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor for 2018, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for the new monthly Slow Flowers Journal found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deboraprinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 339. I first met Hitomi Gilliam in 2012 when I visited a downtown Vancouver, British Columbia floral exhibition called Neo Flora. As I wrote at the time, I stumbled across the Neo Flora badge on Facebook when I noticed that the very talented Arthur Williams, a Denver floral designer and owner of Babylon Floral, who is profiled in the 50 Mile Bouquet, posted a comment that he was going to attend and contribute one-of-a-kind designs at the event. A little digging led me along a trail of links where I discovered the news that Neoflora was taking place over a seven-day period at the end of October 2012. And as it turned out, I was heading north to Vancouver for a few days with a girlfriend, and we made sure to check it out. I met Hitomi, and she agreed to let me shoot a video interview with her. I've included that clip in today's show notes at DebraPrinzing.com. The idea of a group of floral artists coming together to create a pop-up flower shop on one of the city's busiest shopping streets sparked my imagination. What a refreshing way to promote flowers as more than a commodity, one that you'd find at mass-market retailers or supermarkets. According to Hitomi, Neo Flora was a collaborative association of forward-thinking florists who wanted to appeal to the new consumer who may not be accustomed to buying flowers. Most of the flowers used for Neoflora, including those featured on the runway, were donated by several members of the United Flower Growers Cooperative, the major wholesale flower auction house based in Vancouver. When I asked Kitomi about the event's emphasis on locally grown flowers, she pointed out that about 90% of the flowers used in Neoflora's pop-up project were BC grown. She underscored this point saying, that's what the consumer is looking for, local and organic. Other than following Hitomi's activities through Facebook and watching all that she's doing to elevate and professionalize the art of floristry, I hadn't spoken with her since that 2012 visit, other than saying hello last summer when she co-presented with Arthur Williams at the AIFD Symposium in Seattle. Recently, a few of my flower friends began pursuing the European Master's Certification, a program launched six years ago by Hitomi and Tomás de Brun, and I began to hear more about that exciting professional distinction and the lovely creative connections being made. EMC student Toby Nelson of Toby Nelson Events and Design, last week's podcast guest, invited me to travel from Seattle to Vancouver at the end of February to spend a day with Hitomi. Toby had a notion that Hitomi and I could together bridge our two worlds. And in retrospect, I think she was prescient because by the end of our time in Vancouver, our collective heads were spinning with ideas. It was a rare chance to take a 48-hour workcation, totally devoted to flowers and our mutual passion for flower growing and designing. And it was also rare that Hitomi was home in British Columbia, where she lives on beautiful Bowen Island, and where her many educational projects are based as part of Design 358, an event and education business she co-owns with Colin Gilliam, her talented son.
1: We met up with
0: Hitomi at the new education center that's inside the United Floral Building in an industrial area of Vancouver. The giant complex is also home to the famed Dutch-style flower auction, a cooperative of BC floriculture growers who operate as United Flower Growers. Hitomi was setting up for a three-day creative design masterclass that attracted students from all around North America, eager to study mechanics, techniques, and floristry in a small group setting. With Toby's help, Hitomi was getting things ready, and I managed to grab about 30 minutes of an audio conversation to introduce you to Hitomi. While she's a luminary in the world of floral design, Hitomi is deeply rooted in horticulture, and she works closely with growers and flower farmers, which I believe greatly influences her art and her platform. Listen closely to details about the upcoming series of Hitomi's educational events taking place in a few weeks as part of her partnership with United Floral. I'll have all the details and links at today's show notes at com, And who knows, you might have time to take a trip to Vancouver to participate or observe the Pacific Northwest Design Competition on March 17th, a qualifier event for the 2018 Gateway to the America's Cup, with one U.S. and one Canadian floral designer selected to compete. And stick around for In the Making, an inspirational series of wedding design workshops and a Project Runway Style Bridal Trends show March 18th through 20th, also hosted by Hitomi and United United Floral. Before we get started, here's a little bit more about Hitomi according to her bio. Hitomi says her biggest pleasure in life is, quote, sharing everything I know, end quote. Hitomi Gilliam, AIFD, is a Japanese-Canadian floral artist, keynote, lecturer, demonstrator, educator, and a consultant in all aspects of the art and business of floral design. She's the creative director for Design 358. She has guest designed extensively throughout North America, England, Japan, Mexico, Taiwan, Bermuda. Singapore, Hong Kong, Australia, New Zealand, Colombia, Belgium, Korea, and India. She owned and operated Satsuki's Florist in Mission, British Columbia for 28 years. She currently works with her son, at which we mentioned earlier, in an event and education business called Design 358, which was established eight years ago. Hitomi has lectured at Art Gallery of Ontario in Toronto, the Chicago Botanical Gardens, Philadelphia Museum of Art, Cheekwood Botanical Gardens in Nashville, Museum of Fine Art Boston, Minneapolis Institute of Art, Bouquets to Art in San Francisco, Houston Museum of Fine Art, New Orleans Museum of Fine Art, Cleveland Botanical Gardens, Honolulu Academy of Art, Everson Museum of Art in Syracuse, the Walters Art Museum in Baltimore, Longwood Gardens, Virginia Museum of Fine Art, Lewis Ginter Botanical Gardens in Richmond, Virginia, Detroit Institute of Arts, Vero Beach Museum of Fine Arts, the Strong Museum in Rochester, New York, North Carolina Museum of Art in Raleigh, and Columbus Museum of Fine Art. She is also presented at the Philadelphia Flower Show, the Newport Flower Show, and Singapore Garden Festival. Hitomi is the founding organizer of the annual Survival of the Creative Minds Conference in Taos, New Mexico, and she partners with Belgian floral artist Thomas de Brun to run and teach the comprehensive European Master's Certification Program, which we also discuss in this podcast. You'll find Hitomi at all her social places, which we share in our show notes, as well as details on the European Master's Certification Program. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am delighted today to introduce Hitomi Gilliam. Hi, Hitomi. Hi. It's so what? great to pleasure be here. pleasure to be here. I'm so glad you're here in Vancouver visiting. Right. And so to Hitomi um, is um, hosting Toby Nelson and me on a little like day of flowers in <laughs> British Columbia, and we're in your amazing uh, facility that you're going to be teaching, keeping your education programs going here. Yeah. Describe where we're at. Well, we're
1: at actually United Floral Inc. uh, And it's part of the Vancouver Flower Auction, actually. And uh, they have invested in uh, Education Center. And so we have a lovely new classroom that is uh, bigger than the classroom I had before. Yeah, it's modern. uh, It's beautiful. It's really, really good. It's equipped beautifully. And uh, we're about to have one of the first class. Uh, in this new facility okay
0: so these are you you teach for everybody and uh, people have watched you globe if, if anyone follows you on social media you, you do globe trot um, so there's a there's some things you do for united floral and mm-hmm. some things you do for hitomi gilliam mm-hmm. and you've got a couple of those things coming up in in march and mm-hmm. i want to especially alert people who are within driving distance of vancouver to know about those so yeah, tell us fabulous. what you're doing
1: Okay, so this will be the uh, March 16th, 15th, 16th weekend. And we have actually two big events here at United Floral. One is their big uh, spring event, which is a wedding show. uh, That's on the Sunday. But the Saturday prior to that, I'm hosting the Pacific Northwest Floral Design Competition. So, you know, we've invited... Uh, both Americans and Canadians uh, in close proximity to this facility to come and join us wow. uh, for this competition, which actually is the lead up to, we are actually choosing two finalists, one American, one, one Canadian who will represent their country at the gateways to the America's competition, which is going to
0: be held in uh, Orlando in June. Is so, this, the, the gateways to America floral design competition has been, Ongoing. Um, It's been going on since, uh, I think, early 2000. And it's like every two or three years.
1: It's sort of, it changes from time to time. But it's really a North, Central, and South America. So it's an international competition. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm saying representing their country. Right. Uh, So we are selecting the two finalists for that.
0: So you stepped up and and decided,
1: well, someone's got to do this. It's time to do this. Because in this area, we've been a little dry when it comes to competition since the... The FTD used to do the America's Cup, and we used to do our Maple Leaf Cup in Canada yeah. here. But I remember hearing about that. But this. last time that was, was like, I'm going to say it's like maybe even 20 years ago. Wow. We haven't had a competition in this area in so many years. And I happen to be a child of competition. I've, I was raised in competition and really my claim to fame and just all, you know, what I've done with my career started with competition. So wow. I thought it's just time to reintroduce it back into our
0: system. And and it sounds like you've got some good candidates, but you're still uh, recruiting down to the, the oh wire, goodness. right? Yeah, we always want more competitors and, you know, make it
1: really a a good competition. Uh, Right now we have, I think, 15 or 16. Uh Um, We can use more Americans. I think we don't have quite as many Americans, but but it's going to be quite a spectacle. It's going to be a lot of fun, not only for the those participate but for those to come and watch it's going to be really a
0: lot of fun what's the criteria for becoming a contestant or competitor what it's just
1: my mindset to Mm -hmm. to want to enter the whole competitive arena i think it's a wonderful experience it's usually a very much of a growing experience for anybody who participate um i i grew in it like i say Mm -hmm. uh you know i learned to become Better, you want to step it up. You always want to win. Right. So uh, you put on your best. So I think it's a really a wonderful arena for growth in, in, in design. Wow. So it's just a matter of deciding, yeah, I want to try this and Great. learn.
0: Wow. So we'll have – let's – um, get some links to that information yeah, yeah, on yeah. the show notes um, for today's episode. Um, Hitomi is doing so many different things and I just um, watch her on social media. We've met in person a couple times and you partner with a lot of people I really admire uh, to teach. And uh, I just would love to hear your, your path. Like how did you begin and how did, how did your origins get you to the business you have now, which is mainly education mm-hmm. and consulting? Yeah. Well, I think,
1: you know, it's been all through fate. I think it was all meant to happen. Uh, the path sort of presented itself in different, uh, different various times to get to where I am at today. But I actually started in, um, right out of high school, I started to work in the nursery. Uh, I was like the propagator for one of the local nursery in Vancouver. Oh wow! And yeah, this in those days it's like five dollars an hour, I think it was. But uh, you I did started a, in horticulture. Yeah, though. in horticulture. Wow. Yes, and then uh, and then I moved out into the valley, out of Vancouver, and into the valley. And the first job that I got out there was at Smith's Nursery as well. So I was in charge of propagation there again. And, and when I was, you say the
0: valley, you mean is it Fraser, Fraser Valley? Okay. Yes. So that's east of Vancouver. East of okay. Vancouver.
1: Um, and so I started working there. And then I went to school for landscape horticulture at BCIT, BC Institute of Technology. And but meanwhile, at the same time, um, uh, my former husband and I, we started uh, we bought 20 acres out in Mission, British Columbia and built a greenhouse and uh, actually used to be one of the biggest grower of fuchsias.
0: You're kidding. Yes, we had Hotted, over 300. Like, potted fuchsias? Uh, cuttings. Oh, And then okay.
1: made into hanging baskets oh and, gosh. you know, did the whole bedding plant thing. That's 320 amazing. 320 varieties uh, of fuchsias. We were specialists in fuchsia. I'll say, going. I'll say. So your, cut, your
0: clients were like garden centers and.
1: No, oh. no, we actually retailed. Oh. We were retail, small greenhouse business. Um, but I'm saying big because of the range of varieties. Right. We were one of the were biggest the varieties uh, provider. How cool. So we did that, um, and then we opened a retail shop uh, because actually, you know, during during the vending the plant season, we didn't do too badly at all, but to carry us throughout the year, we would grow di- different crops. And we were selling at the flower auction here in Vancouver, and we had actually started a crop of, coleus standard that one season in the fall beautiful you know they were like four foot standard big heads on them and we couldn't even get three dollars for them at the auction we were so depressed on the way home coming back with the shipment that we thought we would sell we would come home with it and it's such a beautiful product oh my god it was such a beautiful product we couldn't understand why it wouldn't sell and so we stopped in town had coffee and pondered on what are we going to do? Because we had the whole greenhouse in this in, in, in this product. Stuffed
0: with this coal. Yeah. When you say on a standard, you did you train it? Yes. Or, okay, yes, or was it, it was grafted? On a,
1: yeah, no, no, no. It was just trimmed wow. and grown into like a four-foot piece. Beautiful. And we sat at, this, um, at the Dairy Queen and just like <laughs> thinking, like, what are we going to do with this? And we saw an empty storefront across the street. And that's how Satsuki's uh, Flower Shop or Satsuki Growers, actually at that point, open the retail store so that we would then have an opportunity to sell our product and also buy product at the, at the flower auction, you know, potted moms and all the different potted stuff. This is in the heydays of in the the seventies of of the tropicals. Remember all the plant shops everywhere? We were one of them. That's how we started.
0: Oh my gosh. So, So is Satsuki your maiden name? No, that just means a flower time in
1: May. And Satsuki is also a variety of azalea. Oh, how neat. Yeah, it was a name that I, I consulted my mom. Like, what would be a good name for our company? And
0: that's what she suggested. That's how do you spell we,
1: it? S-A-T-S-U-K-I,
0: Setsuki. Huh, that's kind of, it's got a lot of meaning, do you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so
1: we were that. You were so just we like were, an accidental florist. Then. Exactly. Well, wow. and and at that point, we hadn't started being a florist yet, right? Were so we a were plant a plant shop. shop. Mm-hmm. And, you know, well, plant shop was, it was very gratifying. But, you know, once you got the plants fixed up, there were a lot of twiddling my thumb time. I'm like, oh, what am I going to do just stand around and wait (laughs) wait for customers to walk in? Well, it turned out after several months that we had um, some customers that would come in and ask if we do weddings. And well, I'm like, no, not really. You know, I turned it away at the beginning because I had no knowledge of floristry. So until I met friends who were former, like they were retired florists from Vancouver that moved out into our area. Uh And so I was mentioning to them one day, like, you know, I get a lot of people wanting me to do weddings. And they said, well, we can show you how to do it if you want to take one. Wow. So that's how floristry started. Oh, my goodness. So we took one wedding. So there's a bridal bouquet and two bridesmaids and, you know, a few, few boutonnieres, corsages. That's it. And
0: your friends came in and Yeah, they it. helped
1: me do that. And, and they said, you know, you really got a neck for this. And I loved it because really – Apart from interest in horticulture, I really wanted to go to art school.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: my parents are real science people. Mm-hmm. They they come from true academia. My, uh, my dad was a professor at the university in sciences at the University of British Columbia. So they just, it wasn't... They never encouraged it. Right. So right. when this opportunity came out to do the creative, I thought, oh, this is it. This is it. This yeah. is going to be really a lot of fun.
0: The marriage of art oh, and science. It was perfect. And so that's it, how I started. And Hitomi, when you were doing a horticulture school, were there any floristry classes back no. in the day? No. Okay. No, this is all landscaping okay. and golf
1: management. You know, golf ornamental
0: horticulture. All that yeah. kind of stuff. And oh. you know
1: what? To this day, I am so grateful that I had that foundation. Because that's where nomenclature really came into to, to being and I, I'm a real nomenclature enthusiast. Yes, so you are. that still is a very big part of what I do.
0: Wow. But that's how I started. Took my first wedding and off I went. And then you mentioned that you really grew up in the in the floral competition. Yes. So you you had With, a little bit of a fast track there to kind of from that first wedding to maybe within a few years you were self, doing more.
1: Self-taught right? definitely, apart
0: from that little instruction I
1: got from these former florists. You know, I used to peek in windows of flower shops at night because I didn't dare walk in during <laughs> the day and snoop around, pick up all the little literature and try to learn from seeing these pictures. And I did that for a couple of years, entered a few competitions, like just uh, mailing competitions. Um, like with photography? Yeah. And, wow. and, and, you know, there were some from the East that I participated in. Uh, you know, I got um, some honorary merit and whatever to begin with. And then I entered one of my first competitions that came to British Columbia, which was one of the district um, competition for the Maple Leaf Cup, which led on to the Canadian finals. And the very first one I went, I actually won it. Wow. I was like florist from nowhere. Like nobody in the community, floral community knew me. I walked into that. And, you know, there were the pros. I mean, I saw the ones that were vying for the win and all of that. I saw the whole picture and that just as a sideliner just walking in and not knowing any of these people and I won that
0: one. <laughs> so how did you have the inner confidence to like against all odds just say I'm going to go for it? Was it just your drive to be better? I, or I saw I, I mean
1: I you know searched through every magazine. I, I read everything you know, I went to a few local shows and saw what's being done. And I thought, you know, I love this and I want to compete. I want to see what it's all about. And yeah, I just went and did it.
0: Wow. Do you remember what you designed? I do.
1: Well, tell us about it. I do because there were several categories. Um, I did a bridal bouquet, you know, I had a I mean, I I saw pictures in the magazine, so I knew a little bit of what what it looked like. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I used black plexiglass background and I used um, like uh, silver rods Mm -hmm. and, you know, I built my own stands. And, you know, it was kind of semi-traditional, but still edgy at the same time because I set it up that way. The table center was nothing earth shaking, you know, tablecloth, kind of. Because basically, I I design like a westernized Ikebana designer. Not Mm. that I have a Ikebana background. Mm -hmm. I just know it. That's Mm. just in my DNA. Just in your culture.
0: You grew up knowing of people doing Ikebana. Well, my mom
1: did some Ikebana. So, you know, I had a certain sense for that. So, very linear architectural design. And in those days, that was really the the, look. For yeah. a competition. So, so it sort of east, really actually
0: worked out. Yeah, east meets west a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, let's fast forward to your current career, mm-hmm. which is um, uh, no flower shop anymore. No. I mean, you, when did, you said 12 years 12 ago? 12 years ago. Okay. okay, so was it still called? Satsuki's. Satsuki's, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. It was Satsuki Growers, and then it became Satsuki's Floors. So did someone buy Satsuki's?
1: Yes, okay. one of my employees. Is it still around? Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, except for it's not under that name. Oh. I didn't sell that
0: name. Uh, so it's
1: now magnolia.
0: Okay. Yes. So so you walked away from retail floristry. Yes. And you said earlier before we turned on the recorder that you, you could have done it earlier Yes. Pr- prior to this, yes. you know, like maybe five years earlier, but you just weren't sure you could support yourself in education right. or like replace that income. But it sounds like you have.
1: Yeah, no, it was, it was kind of a serendipitous how it really actually became. You know, I convinced myself that I can do it. It was after I saw a movie that someone recommended that I should, should watch. And it's called what the bleep do I know? It's, (laughs) it's a very interesting, I've never heard of it. It's a wonderful movie. It's wonderful. I mean, it had a lot of layers of meanings within it because there's some sort of philosophical side, scientific side. It was a very interesting movie. And it just had a segment that was about, I can't remember the man's name. He's a scientist that had studied the water molecule, you know, subjecting different emotion to the mm. water molecule. And he found that when there's anger, the water mo- molecule at- react- reacted to it. And it, was, it turned kind of ugly. But if you subjected water molecule to love, then it became very pretty. And I thought, ah, you know, man, we're made up of so much, wa- so much water in our content. right? And so really, I, I drew from that, that if you believed in something that it can happen mm-hmm. because if we, if we are in fact pretty much all water molecules right it's sort of like so s- it made me realize you manifested that, it yeah it, it, it it's all up to you you decide yeah. mm-hmm. it's it, it's 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 about mind
0: mm-hmm. you know what your mindset so that's when i decided okay i'm gonna try it well I'm and as, as our friend toby had said earlier that you had to sell the shop to open up the opportunities for these other things exactly. right yeah. and when you um in, because you had already been doing some teaching and um active you know judging or whatever in mm-hmm. floral competitions what what was your strategy I mean how how did you uh build it to what what you're doing today I don't know that I really had a strategy.
1: I have to say at the very beginning, it was just scrambling to make sure that my calendar is full so mm-hmm. that I could make a living out mm-hmm. of it. Um, but it sort of all started to fall into place and, uh, you know, sort of streamlining the content of my teaching so that I had some sort of a specialty. Like a piece.
0: methodology almost. Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah,
1: because I think there's a certain style that I teach, a certain method that I teach. And that so that it's distinguished from mm-hmm. the others. I think that's always very important that you supply a certain niche. I think that's really so you, important.
0: Yeah, your point of view is very clear, and you weren't trying to be a generalist.
1: No. Well, you know what? I did a lot of generalist stuff. Well, I guess in, it pays back the in bills, the days, right? yeah. yeah. Because I have to admit that. You know, even though I've had great deal of success with competition, which put me on the on the circuit Mm -hmm. to do uh, lectures, demonstrations, and teaching, I couldn't really teach in those days what I created because I mean it was too architectural, too artsy. It's not mainstream. Just like in
0: the nineties. Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah, 80s and 90s. So you were
0: still going to teach people how to do the pave rose uh, floor, centerpiece or whatever?
1: Yeah. Like, okay. you know, I would do, like, design shows with, you know, other designers in those days. Because, uh, actually, design shows used to be really a huge thing. Every wholesaler used to have a design show. They may have a panel of three or four people designing on stage. And so I'm, I'm there designing with three other people. You know, they're designing... A Valentine arrangement with Teddy Bear with a bunch of roses. I'm thinking, oh, you're here. you know, and I'm doing this sort of structural thing. But you know what? What's really, really scary is at the very end when they auction off the stuff. Those bear arrangement would get $150. My, what I thought was a very cool artsy arrangement would only get $15. And I'm thinking, there's something wrong with this right, picture. Right, So I had to actually kind of become a little bit more general and more retail-oriented to survive in that short circuit at that time.
0: Well, somehow that, um, I guess, all artists have been in that path, too, where, like, uh, what I want to make is not necessarily what the market wants to receive. But something happened, like, now you're at a place where what you are excited about is also what your students are seeking. Yeah, yeah. And was that, um, now, you have a a relationship with AIFD, you're AIFD Mm -hmm. certified, and and then that probably predated what you're doing now with mm-hmm. European mm-hmm. uh, master's certification. Mm-hmm. So connect those dots for me.
1: Well, I think um, the whole European influence thing. Now, Europe came into our picture in floristry back in the 80s. Okay. When the, the Flower Council of Holland entered North America and came in really big, with their selection of beautiful flowers. It's kind of like the floral renaissance that w- that's going on today mm-hmm. with the farmer florist and mm-hmm. their introductions of all these new varieties. That happened back in the 80s as oh. well, because prior to the Dutch product coming in, it was really only like carnations, mums, daisies, you know, gladiola, lilies, like real basic, basic in yeah, America. I always call
0: it like the dirty dozen. Yeah. Like the same
1: yeah. old, it, same it, old. It, it was that for many years... And then the Dutch brought in, like, I remember the very first time I came to David O'Jones, Els Hausenberg was sent by the uh, the Flower Council of Holland with the first shipment of Dutch product. I remember walking into that. um, Here in Vancouver. Yeah, here in Vancouver at the wholesale. Like, she was working, you know, prepping the day before, and I saw the flowers, and I'm like, what are those? You know, it was like all these beautiful, you know, scabiosa, the anemones, like all this, the, the gardener stuff that we had never seen on the market. Wow. And there were boxes and boxes of them all lined up. And I'm oh, You were hyperventilating. <laughs> I mean, I really feel like we're going through that same thing again today. Huh, that's interesting. But I- the Holland Flower Council did that. And, and then there were these multitudes of trips to Europe. There were all these excursions of going to Maastricht for the big flower show. And there was a little workshop on the side. Mm. There were these wonderful tours happening at that time. And everybody was going to Europe to study at that time. And so many of the designers from Europe came over to share their ideas and techniques with us at that time. And then that sort of calmed down and kind of went away by the 90s. And so, you know, coming into the year 2000 and that whole decade, 2000 to 2010, you know, yeah, there's there's stuff going back and forth, but none of what used to happen before. And I thought, you know, it's time to bring it back. Why are we not going over to Europe and rediscovering? the richness mm-hmm. of their European mm-hmm. education. Mm-hmm. Why are we not doing this? So then I started to look for who can I work with? Who can I partner with to do
0: this? Because you'd already experienced that excitement and that kind I of I experienced change. it, but I,
1: I never actually went over there. Oh, I see. But I met a lot of the designer sure. and have worked with them as they came over. Mm-hmm. But I just thought that there's something missing again. Like, you know, we're kind of narrowing down what we're teaching, what we're, you know, what the students are learning. And we didn't have the influence of European like we had before. So that's why I thought it's time to bring it back. And that's when I partnered with Tomas and decided that he was a perfect fit for me because we had similar teaching way uh, thoughts and co- could collaborate in a lot of ideas of content. And so that's why we decided to do this. And it, it, it
0: Indeed was truly what was needed. Wow. A little spike. So you and Tomas, what, just went... On a, like, work vacation and sat in a room and just brainstorm. how are we going to structure this? We did that. We did wow.
1: that. Yeah. And I asked him. I mean, he's the European. I mean, you know, I, I knew that I was going to serve as sort of a facilitator mm-hmm. and connect him to the North American market.
0: I see. So even if he had wanted to do this, it was important for him to partner with somebody who was kind of plugged into the North American. Oh,
1: it couldn't have happened history. without somebody that was plugged oh, in North sounds America. Sounds like a good balance. Yeah, I think it, it truly was. And, and what's really interesting is the North American participation in EMC has been immense. Uh, have built up very nicely and which then creates a, a lot of interest in Europe. It's like, oh, is that available for us in Europe too? I mean, you know, up, up until they're then, a jealous. Really, yeah, they're <laughs> like, we want to be part of that. And then of course, now we are uh, going into India and into China. Um, <clears throat> we have actually Latin America as well. So it's really become very global.
0: So EMC is a program that people can go through as florists. To gain a new sort of body of knowledge and, and set of skills, um, and there's different phases, and then at the end they uh, sit for a test or part- mm-hmm. and then get receive this like these letters behind their name, right? right. Okay, so what walk us through how that goes? Um, well, um, European Master Certification
1: is You're welcome. is thank the, you, Tony. Uh, <laughs> So European Master Certification is what EMC stands for, and it is a certifying program. Okay, um, it starts out. It's actually a three-part program, and you know, there's we we are actually building up other things like EMC pluses, like other topics. But this is a core your, program. This is your
0: kind of your, your signature <clears throat> class, right? Okay,
1: and so there's three parts. Part one is foundation, so it's really a lot of theory. European, the way they see it. So it's really, your. it's actually elements and principles of design as it's taught in Europe, mm. which, by the way, is quite different. Really? Yes. Um, I mean, I love our elements and principles of design. It's universal. It's our school's teacher. But their elements and principles of design in forestry is quite entirely different. Huh. So it's really like relearning a whole new set, but which gives you another extra dimension of perspective, right. which is very important. Right. And then it's followed by part two.
0: Part one is a classroom situation, Mm. five multiple, Oh, five years. Okay. And And I know a number of people who are either doing it now or have graduated. And um, there's something really special about that camaraderie of coming together, right? It's wonderful. It's
1: it's really, it's become a community. Mm. Yeah. And then part two is self-practicum. So you do it from home. Um, But it's heavily um, scheduled for assignment turn-ins and it's done online and as well as the nomenclature is a very big part of I that, hear about big that project
0: it's Toby, quite undertaking Toby Nelson <clears throat> just told me it's 400 individual cultivars or, or varieties that you yeah have you have learn?
1: to actually it's 250 oh okay yeah so it's 100 cup flowers 100 plants and 50 branches and foliages okay yeah but but it's Full entries, like a full study of each item, Latin name,
0: common name, and then all the background. Yes, wow, yes,
1: yes. So it's 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 pretty comprehensive, but it's. um, I think it's at the beginning it frightens the students because it's such a huge commitment of time, but I think everybody gets
0: into it after a while. I feel like if you are fluent in that, it just changes your whole perspective to what you're doing, right? Absolutely.
1: And then and just, see, that's
0: why your horticulture background is so appropriate. Exactly. Right? Well, I
1: always believe that if you have that as a background or if you're a gardener, if you're a grower first, that person makes a better designer.
0: Yeah, I always say that too. Because they
1: so understand the way plants behave and what it wants to do. Whether, rather than forcing it to do what you want it to do.
0: Right. And I always say that to <clears throat> my garden audiences, like you're uniquely qualified to be a florist because you already understand a plant's uh, behavior in the, in the garden. Oh, and absolutely. So, okay, so those are phases one and two, and that together takes about a year to go through? Uh, yeah, it's
1: eight to ten months. Okay. And then it's followed up by part three, which is sort of the finale, and it's the advanced class so that there's a little bit more about what you do with what you know. And then um, there's a pretty hefty exam at the end of it. And the exam involves uh, practical sides. You'll be asked to do a hand-tied bouquet in front of the group. Uh, so it's it's not just the, the process, but the performance of it, because that's very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I then, would fail at
0: that. That, that, that spiral <laughs> bouquet is beyond me. I love that, though. I'd love to watch great. it. It
1: really is great. And then, you know, <clears throat> there's a practical designing of uh, three more categories, as well um, there's um, a written theory test, nomenclature test as well. And then also one of the category is a um, interpretive art design. So we actually go to Louvre to Paris. We do a one-day excursion from Bruges to go to Louvre, and they have to select the painting which they'll interpret. Uh, and actually, create a, a collage first as a sort of a segue to designing into with, and interpreting with flowers. And that particular category in the exam is tested for the design itself, the collage, and then there's an oral presentation. So each designer has to come into a room where Tomas and I. Basically, uh, question them and they have to orally present what they've done with that one as well. So it's pretty comprehensive. It covers almost every part of knowledge that one should have that we feel that makes a European master.
0: How many people have, um, I guess, been matriculated through this program?
1: I think we're probably
0: right now at just under 100. Wow. Wow. And it's only been Four, five, six, year, six years. Well, or it's a three cycles. Okay. Yeah, I
1: would say the first cycle was sub- decent. Second yeah. cycle was very spare. Uh, there were a lot of people that actually did part one and wasn't sure whether they can do part three. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, going to part mm-hmm. three. But part, uh, cycle three became really big. Wow. Uh, everybody sort of saw the ones that has made it and saw the improvement that they saw in their work it really is a market improvement. I think even Tomas and I we were a little discouraged in part 2 because we had so few but then we saw the result of the change you know from when they first walked into our classroom on the day 1 versus what they did in the exam we're like oh my god
0: look yeah. what we've done look you're growing how beautiful you're they, growing they, they designed yeah you're a growing artists <clears throat> yeah but also this is a radical new way of education so you're still kind of just teenagers in this process yeah, like yeah, you're growing yeah. to mention that you're going to other countries is exciting but those students from those countries have been coming to uh the to study with you in the u.s and canada and europe already or
1: no this okay. is an entirely new new market okay. it's just that they've asked us if we can come to their the countries
0: to do these to programs. do these programs wow. Wow. yeah so you're russia gonna... is
1: also another one that uh, we actually had two russians in in this last Group that we just um, graduated, and I mean they're just excited to bring it back, and they want to start the Russian chapter. You know, there's a lot of interest.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, usually I kind of wrap up podcasts by asking people what's on tap next or what they're excited about, but I clearly you're in the you're already. You've already shared us with us what you're so excited about. But you have lots of other things on the horizon. Well, I mean,
1: I, actually, to begin with the conversation, we did talk about, you know, what's up in, in, in March that mm-hmm. we had the do a wedding show. Mm-hmm. But, you know, before the, the competition, I'm actually doing a judging workshop yeah. because it's one of my, my most recent book, The Fresh Look at Judging. Uh, because one of the reasons why I wrote that book is because as I judged around the country and saw the different judging sheet that's being used and who's being asked to judge, it, it's frightening. Hmm. It's frightening. I mean, you can see by the result that there's something wrong with, with the system. So there's maybe no best practices or yeah, there standards. Was, there was. Yeah. Okay. Uh, not current standards. I mm-hmm. mean, being up to date. I mean, there's been judging books in the past, especially through the garden clubs more, more so right. than in the industry. Right. But, but some of them were stated. And of course, a lot of the florists don't participate in the garden club right. sites, so they don't know that one. So we felt that within the industry, we really truly needed a new look. That's why we call it a Fresh Look at Judging,
0: to see how it could be done better um, today. But just by talking about it and raising the, raising the uh, kind of the role of a judge, mm-hmm. you're changing how professional, professional this industry is. and oh, I, it's, it's exciting.
1: And, and the importance of role of a judge as a mentor, mm-hmm. just in general. I mm-hmm. mean, every teacher should be a mentor and a judge. And, you know, we, I felt that the, the book's strength is also to address the student's and the competitors because if you don't know how it's being judged by, how do you know mm-hmm. if you've met the standards? Mm-hmm. So I think it's a very important piece of uh, literature that helps all sides of the industry. So that's your most recent book. Yes.
0: A fresh look at judges. And you've done other books though, haven't you? Yes,
1: I've, I've done quite a few.
0: Quite a few. A lot <laughs> do them, you remember how many? <laughs> a lot of them textbooks. Okay.
1: Yeah. Because I really feel like that's the heart of I mean, you y- you gotta have basis to build, you know,
0: creativity yeah. from. So yeah. But um, do you have any books that you're cooking up right now?
1: Um, Actually, I also host uh, an annual conference that's called Survival of the Creative Mind Conference in Taos, New Mexico, every year in October
0: oh my gosh wait say that again survival survival of the creative mind conference oh doesn't that sound like something that a lot of people would want to be at it's a very cool conference and And it's in taos Taos,
1: new mexico every year oh my
0: goodness we do
1: it at the uh, at the uh, taos art museum we actually occupy the fashion studio that's the Nikolai fashion that built that building and this is in his studio Mm. We, we do this every year and uh we are heading into, this will be our 19th year, 20th year next year. And so we are going to actually publish all the findings from the 20 years of this conference. Oh, my
0: goodness. What it is, it's a, fascinating.
1: It's, a, it's a conference that's based on the word. Mm-hmm. We choose a word at the end of the conference for the next year. And so we research, all those who participate, research that word in the relationship to, to design.
0: So every every discipline within design. Yeah. Like fashion or, yeah. or products. A- any or...
1: any area that you want to bring up okay. that would be inspirational for everyone in mm-hmm. attendance. So it's it's really a great deal of fun. Um this year is origin is the word. Mm. But we've had, you know, abstraction, we've had exposure, interplay, we started with spiral helical. We st- it's just a word that triggers
0: design. It's like your point of departure for yeah, a yeah. year of practice. Yes. And, and then and, you come back And together. basically,
1: on the day of the, the lecture day, um, there's presenters that will present 15 minute segment with a little play day, uh, play segment after just a little, you know, experiment. So we would do that all day Saturday and then Sunday we design. Wow. It's really fun.
0: It's wow. really fun. So that would be a, probably our next. I'm intrigued. Piece of pub, uh, pub, pub, uh, publication. You're involved in so many things, and uh, you know, people say you're based in Vancouver, BC, but you're really a woman of the world. You're, oh, you're I everywhere. Mean, you gotta, you gotta do stuff,
1: right? It's all about exploring new, new territories. It's pioneering, pioneering new ways of looking at what flowers can be, um, what it could be mixed with, um, you know, what it relates with. Um, it's, it's the creative process.
0: What's the best way for people to follow what you're doing and to plug into what you're doing? You have your own personal business website, right? Yeah, I have that... a website. Um, I started a blog, but I'm not very good with keeping it up. Um, <laughs> we'll give you a pass on that. I, I think what... Taking a workshop with you is probably like getting a year's worth of blogs, right? <laughs> but my schedule
1: is on there, okay. on, the, on the website. Atomigilliam.com. Yes. Okay. And uh, of course, I, I have become fairly active with Instagram, so I post things yes, from time do. to time as things are, things come up, uh, so people can follow what I'm doing there as
0: well. But some of these events that are coming up here in Vancouver mm-hmm. in the month of March, we'll all will be sure to share that information oh, yeah, uh, on the show great. notes. I'd love to I'd love to come back and and you know see how one of these uh, workshops fills this beautiful room we're in, and Thanks, I'm looking at all of oh. your. Um, Non, like non-floral mechanics, I guess they're yeah, they're the yeah. the permanent uh, mechanics that you've designed. You post a lot of these, so people yeah. are aware of. You share a lot. You do. post it's all a, about a lot of like here's how I here's what I made and here's how I made it.
1: Yeah, I and, think that's really important. Yeah, you know, don't hold it as a secret. Let it let it be out there so they become bigger. It can become you know, and you know what, it comes back to you. I, I mean, I, I love that when I broadcast something and say, try this. And then somebody will post it and say, "This is what I did with it." It's like great! I love it. You know, it just and it maybe keeps doing, circulating, yeah. and it just gets bigger and bigger. Right? I love that. That's what it's all about. Well, Sharing I, is the best. I
0: love that, and I'm so glad we got to spend time with you. Thank you for hosting Toby and me, and oh, um, it's a
1: pleasure I'm showing so us glad.
0: your world up here. And uh, it's just a beginning of more conversations. Yeah, I think so. For Thank sure. You so much, Tommy so much for joining me today. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 290,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for downloading, listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. If you haven't received the March issue of our Slow Flowers newsletter, you can find a link in the show notes at deboraprinzing.com. In this edition, you'll find interviews with all the presenters for the upcoming Slow Flowers Summit which takes place Friday, June 29th in Washington, D.C. And you'll learn about Slow Flowers in the news, the Slow Flowers podcast archive for last month, the upcoming Slow Flowers events that you can attend, and more. Be sure to follow the subscribe link if the newsletter isn't currently landing in your inbox. As the Slow Flowers Movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button at deborahprinzing.com in the right column. Thank you to our sponsors who have supported Slow Flowers and all our programs, including this podcast, American Flowers Week, the slowflowers.com online directory to American-grown flowers, as well as our new channels, the Slow Flowers Journal and the 2018 Slow Flowers Summit. They are... Certified American Grown Flowers, the Certified American Grown program and label provide a guarantee for designers and consumers on the source of their flowers. Take pride in your flowers and buy with confidence. Ask for Certified American Grown Flowers. To learn more, visit americangrownflowers.org arctic alaska peonies a cooperative of passionate family farms in the heart of alaska providing bigger better peony flowers during the months of july and august visit them today at ArcticAlaskaPeonies.com. the seattle wholesale growers market a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the pacific northwest has to offer in cut flowers foliage and plants The growers' market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Find them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Longfield Gardens provides home gardeners with high-quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season, from tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Visit them at longfield-gardens.com. Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry with the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds supplied to farms large and small and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Check them out at johnnysseeds.com. The Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ascfg.org. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American grown flowers on the table one base at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com.